Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, Chris. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. Chris. Yes, sir. Um, that, was, that was awesome. Oh, Sam, yeah. Sam Tillemans is awesome. Yeah, it turns out this guy's the real deal. <laughs> I was like, first time I heard this guy speak, I was like, this guy's nose is what he's talking about. This guy's so good. We got to have him on our podcast. Oh, I thought you were saying something about his actual nose. And I was <laughs> like, I mean, I know I have, a, I have a big, sharp dolphin nose, but I thought his face proportions were pretty normal. <laughs> but... He knows with it with a K N O W. Yes. Um, and also I feel like he just like we could just hang out. Yeah, oh totally. Like, um so if he ever comes up here, he's got a place to stay. Yeah, my house, not yours. <laughs> um I'll but, fight you for him. <laughs> dang it. Um so Chris has been going to the gym and I haven't, just full disclosure. Um but it would what I what I loved about this episode and and why I encourage everyone to listen is it's not just that he he knows his stuff cuz that's obvious, right? Like I think of the the quote right you will meet people in positions of authority and then you'll meet people with authority. Right. Like when he's just talking you're just like, "Yep. Yep, yep, this guy's got it. But also like not a talking head, not stuffy, not academic, but not just like, bro, what's up? Here's the story, you know, like, cause I feel like, you know, um, when people think of an expert, right. They're like, oh, this is Dr. So-and-so and it's, it's you know, it's going to be hard to talk to him. Yeah. And they're going to use studies and large words. And I just thought he did such a beautiful job of talking about what makes recovery real. Right. I mean, that's our, our topic, right. Of, of what really makes lasting recovery happen. And uh, when you arrive and it's permanent, we kind of define what that all really means and does not mean in the episode, but yeah, just, just like street cred and, and book smart cred, like all in this beautiful cocktail that just, um, it was brilliant. So if this were, if this were, um, if, if, if him as an expert were a music, what music would it be? <laughs> I have no idea. So I know what, I know what it came for me. I just wanted to give you a shot at it. It's like, this is like smooth jazz, but not like smooth jazz. Like what your grandma listens to like Ron Swanson, Duke silver, like, give me some of that jazz. <laughs> right? Go. I mean, that's so... Just if you want some easy listening, easy listening that it will touch your heart and, and pierce your soul, um, jump into this episode with us with Sam. And um, what's the things we're supposed to tell the listeners right now? Follow us on social media, at Unashamed and Afraid. Subscribe. Subscribe via email. Become an outsider. Become an outsider. Donate. Become an outsider. All of that money goes to scholarships. No one here gets paid. Um, we just lock Jason in a basement and say, edit all of this audio, and you can see your family when you're done. But um, we do get really good audio. <laughs> so, um, and give us five stars on iTunes. And also, um, and Sam, too, and he shares this at the end episode, um, his, his website and online programs you can find on Facebook. I mean, he's doing a lot of stuff. There's a lot of places to access him. And also his podcast is really good. Yep. So we will link that all episode notes. Um, find it there. 
And without further ado, bring out the saxophone and the smooth jazz with Sam. Chris? Yes, sir. I'm loving your lumber sexual shirt. <laughs> That's awesome. Well done. And Sam, not looking bad. I'm like the only person not in a button up, so I'm having some guilt here. But Sam, thanks for being with us. Do you want me to take mine off? I got the 116 shirt underneath. Whoa, whoa. Hulk of Hope, <laughs> please tone it down, okay? We're not even there in the bonus content yet. See? It's my Superman shirt. <laughs> I need uh, one of those. Well, you know, you might just end up getting one here. So, uh, so Sam, uh, we're excited to have you. As we discussed before, you and I are um, uh, back channel leading Saints friends. Um, so both yes. Sam and I uh, did a session in um, Leading Saints uh, Summit on... Um, on addiction and sexual addiction. So I've been a fan of yours for a while and, and happy to have you here. But for those who may not know you yet, um, paint yourself into context. Tell us about who you are, all the braggy things. We want to hear them. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I'm really happy to be here. It's like you guys have a fun team that you guys can get together and do these episodes with. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to be here. So like you said, my name is Sam Tielemans. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I specialize in working with individuals and couples who've been impacted by uh, pornography addiction. And I've been working with people for about 10 years and I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. So it's the place to be practicing and helping people with this issue specifically. So, but people, so here's my question on this. So I have a couple friends in Vegas and people say there's like the strip Las Vegas. And then there's like the real Las Vegas where people live. And like, they're two completely different worlds. It's true. I like, I can't tell you the last time I went down to the strip and just like, you know, walked around like a tourist because you, you don't go there. If somebody comes into town, then you go down there. But other than that, yeah, everybody lives on the outskirts. Or like the strip is center and then everything else is like surrounding it. So right. yeah, it's, it's away from all that. Right. So um, so while we're just connecting on the things that we connect on. Um, so one of the things that you have, I hear you say all the time and I say all the time and it makes us um, recovery friends is that once an addict, always an addict is absolutely a false pretense from a spiritual perspective, from a clinical perspective, um, that that really is not, does not hold weight. But this is a question that everyone has, um, not only when they start this journey, but as some people get ground down in recovery. I mean, my, myself included, Chris, we were have been multiple disclosures, right? And um, chose maybe a rockier path, you know, l- learned the hard way. Not recommended. <laughs> not recommended. Why we're here with Sam, we're going to do it different. But um, so um, t- tell me about that. Like how how does that come to be? Like, how, how do you break the mold for people that think once an addict, always an addict? So I think, man, that's one of the things that I'm really happy that you guys have such an important resource by doing this. And I think what you're saying is true. I I don't believe that at all. And I always just shudder when I hear people saying that because that limiting belief of this is my, this is what I have to deal with for the rest of my life makes it so. Like they're constantly thinking about it just because they're telling themselves, okay, this is going to be something that I deal with for a long time. Just a result of thinking that thought it's in your life for as long as you allow it to be. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that's one of the things that makes it, it's almost like it's an anchor. If I say, well, I'm an addict, I'm anchoring my identity to this thing that I don't want to be Mm -hmm. by describing myself that. And I think Mm -hmm. just by doing that, it's just, you carry that around for as long as you have that identity. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm, totally. But so tell us, tell us about that label. Cause like James, um, right. Member of our team who co-hosts all the time here, he talked about first stumbling onto that label. Like it gave him a sandbox to play in like, Oh, this is the thing. Cause a lot of times people just don't put it together. Right. It's like the three affairs I've had in my life or this, like that. It's not like this thing. And so tell me how, how you, how you kind of manage like the label of that, of being like, no, this is like an actual problem. Um, but not going too far the other way to where it's the anchor you're talking about. So I think the only distinction, cause I think addiction can give somebody a context. So like you said, a sandbox, like, Oh, this makes sense. This is what it is. I think the distinction is, do you just, do you identify yourself as an addict or do you say I'm struggling with this issue right now? I'm mm. struggling with addiction. Ooh, I like that. If you can separate yourself from your situation, you can change. Like you can then, you know, do your work and then not be struggling with addiction anymore. So then why would you continue to identify yourself as an addict when that's not you? Oh, he's getting a shirt for sure now. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's the shame thing, right? Cause shame is an identity, right? Not right. 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 Guilt or healthy shame, depending on where you're reading your shame stuff, right. Is, um, is something that, uh, is a, right. Is that's a part of life, right? Like, like I know not to show up to the zoom call with you naked, right? Like that, that was like, would not be the, but I don't know. I mean, you probably would be fine. Like we roll, but it's like, you know, acceptance, right. But realizing where those lines are and seeing that, um, but, but keeping it away from identity. I love that. That's the key. I think. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. So what, as as you've worked over the last decade with people, what, what is the difference in the recipe? Um, Because we have had so many stories on here and they're all so unique, right? I mean, we've had one of my favorite stories was when I recorded really early on the audio is terrible, but they're the greatest people. Mac and Melissa never been to therapy a day one of the best recovery stories I've ever heard. And then I talked to some of the 12 step guys that are like, if you're not working the steps, you're not working recovery. And th- and they have 10 years of sobriety. You're f- like, you can't knock what they're doing. Right. And then Chris and I land more in the therapy camp where we're like therapy changed our life. I mean, I'm a therapist now. Right. So, I mean, that's, and so, um, you know, people oftentimes are looking at those surface things like, well, do I go to therapy to fix it? Is it, is it about, you know, being more active in my faith? Is it about the 12 steps? So tell us what you think like the real truths are of permanent like recovery. I guess we could define what permanent is, right? But uh, a truth of I'm not looking over my shoulder. I don't know how you would define permanent, Chris. Well, and and that's one of the things that you asked me one time was, Chris, do you are you always constantly looking over your shoulder? And I was like, no, I'm not. And I don't, I don't have to look over my shoulder all the time waiting for the addiction to come back to me. I just know, um, when I have those temptations, what I've got to do, but I'm not just like always constantly looking for that. Um, permanent for me is just abstaining from the, being with another woman besides my wife. Uh, I'm coming up on almost 13 years. So that's been pretty awesome. Then just this, or I guess in January, I just hit 13 years of sobriety from pornography. And so not looking at the pornography, that doesn't mean I haven't seen it. 
I'm not actively seeking it out because last year I had that incident yeah, when I first started with work. the job. It just yeah. popped up at work yeah, and, yeah, right, right. and it was there. So, um, but I wasn't actively seeking out pornography, um, not actively seeking out women and um, not like slipping with masturbation. I'm not like. Uh, right. And, and, and we'll hold some space, right? Everyone's value system is, is different and what people. So, but so Sam, when you're talking about, right, like I'm someone who struggles with addiction, so if we define permanent as I don't struggle with addiction anymore, because like I look at Chris and I'm like, that's permanent. Like, I don't look as you as someone who struggles with addiction. Right. And, and if you don't show up to that 12 step meeting this week, you, you might, you know, go act out sexually. Like to me that you like, there's that. I like how you put that, Sam. So how, how would you put more words to that? So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on all of that. I think the only other thing that I would add is I think this inner tug of war that people have mm-hmm. when you do the work and you clear out the reason that's causing that the inner tug of war, the nagging thoughts, like the constant pull, the anxiety around, ah, like, am I like, is, am I just one click away when you're out of that place and you just feel like, <laughs> I remember uh, I was working with this guy and he said, whenever he would leave someplace going home, his first thought was, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go act out. And going home, he'd think about what he was going to do and, and do this whole thing. But he knew, he's like, I don't want to do this though. But the thought was in the back of his mind. And eventually he knew he was going to slip because it was there. <clears throat> he said that <clears throat> before the process, before we did some work together, it was as if he had this, he was on the other side of this door and there was an invader at his front door. Just some, He had this really good image of just like holding the door shut with all of his weight, the invader trying to push through. But then after he did his work, it was as if he could open up the door and the invader was gone and he didn't have to push so hard against this. Like, ah, I don't want to slip. It's just like he, he felt like he was free. Like there was no more battle. Right. There was no more invader. So the door could be open instead of having right. to like bar it shut. Totally. That's I lo- awesome. I love that. I love that. And I mean, Chris here and many other that we've had on the show and many that you know that we don't even know. In fact, give us your people and they should come on the show and share their story. Um, but yeah, I, that the battle's down. So I think of that study they did with alcoholics, where it was like 2002, where after five years of being sober, the likelihood of that person becoming an alcoholic again is the same likelihood as any random person. Sure. Like, like, the, like the, well, but because you drank before... And, and I think that, right. Cause I mean, sure, Chris, we could write the script of you losing your job. Autumn gets cancer and dies. You leave your relationship with God. We fast forward a year or two and you're back to sexual addiction or what, like right. we could make up some story where you just check out of life and medicate again. Like, of course. And that exact thing can happen to just anybody. Right. So we're not saying like this, the bulletproof, like no matter what anything is. Cause I mean, anything could happen to anybody. Right. So and I think the, again, one other piece that I would add is that like my goal when I work with clients, my, one of them anyways, is like, I want them to get into this place where they have choice because so often they don't feel like they have a choice. The nagging thoughts are so intense. The, the push or the pull of the addiction is so heavy. It's so strong for them. They feel like it's at some point they're going to fall. It's, it feels at, almost as if it's out of their control. And I want them to get to the place where they feel completely free. Now I don't control their hands, right? I can't go mm-hmm. over and make sure they're not clicking on the keyboard. But once you have that complete autonomy and there's not, it's not driven by this compulsive pull, then I like, that's where I want 
that's then that's to the place to where you're describing five years later, somebody could become an alcoholic. Sure. Somebody who was had a, had a difficulty with drinking could go back to it. Sure. But if it's not compulsive and there's not this pull anymore, then then you're alongside everybody else who has to navigate sexual temptation. That's normal. Right. It's, that's not going to go away. But if you have I, that autonomy, then, yeah, I, I think, you know, that perfect when you said freedom. Cause that's, that's exactly where I'm at. I, I have freedom and even, even my wife uh, was struggling just even within the last couple of weeks. She's like, I'm just, I'm just worried that you're going to leave me and I'm scared. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know what's going on right now, but I love us. And when she sent me the text when I was at work and she's like, I'm not doing okay. We really need to talk. I'm like, dope. We can talk. I don't have that worry or that scared feeling, that pit of my stomach going, oh, crap, what did she find out? It's like, okay, let's talk. We, I, I, I can talk about whatever you need to talk about. Let's do it. So I'm not worried about that. So that freedom is just amazing to me. So I, I met this guy in Baltimore, this Methodist pastor, just total dude's street. Street meaning this dude had street cred, right? Like really tough part of the city, Um, and that guy, that guy had battled for the hearts of men, no doubt. And he's like, um, right. LDS. And so he's like, I like the, you know, that you guys don't do the drinking and smoking. And I like that about you. And he says, but let me tell you, do you want to know how it works with people? And I said, sure. And he said, if they want to quit, they will. And I'm like, yeah, totally. He's like, no, no, you don't get it. If they want to quit, they will. Right. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Like, and at the time I can say like, (laughs) knowing what I know now, I did not get it. So tell me about that because part of what, as an addict, right? Someone in recovery, I hear this, someone who struggles with addiction. See, I need to change the narrative already. So now I, now I got to pay Sam for this hour, which I'm happy (laughs) to do. So, um, so, uh, with someone who struggles with addiction, um, you know, there's so many men who have the will to change that truly. And I've sat with many men that earnest in heart as earnest gets to not want to do this anymore, but they're still there. So tell me about how you feel this fits into our kind of our definition of permanent, right? Of the willpower and the will to want to change versus the mindset to change and kind of how those, how that all operates. Man, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because I remember, cause I've done like, I don't know, like I'm so obsessed with finding better <laughs> ways to help people. Sure. I've yeah, gone to totally. I, countless trainings. I've been trained in EMDR, EFT, um, parts therapy. Like I, I like, I'm, I love it cause I want to find faster ways to help. I remember working with a mentor once I was at a, a workshop. He completely changed what I thought about addiction in like the instant he told the story. He said, there's two parts of the mind. He says, there's the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. And he described how the unconscious mind, most of what we do as people is unconscious. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, you know, when's the last time that you drove somewhere and you showed up and you never knew how you got there. You're like, mm-hmm. it's like you're in a trance, right? That's essentially the unconscious mind. Our heart beats unconsciously. We, our habits are unconscious, our beliefs, our values, like so much of what we do. There's a, so I don't know if you've heard of Bruce Lipton. Mm-hmm. He's a researcher. He talks about how like 95% of what we do is unconscious. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. Cause like, again, if I walk around the room, I don't have to think about every step that I take. 
Right. Well, and, and whether it's, and I think to insert here, cause I know a lot of people have tried therapy and going to therapy, whether you're doing EMDR, brain spotting, somatic experiencing, psychodrama, whatever, all of those, it's about tapping into the subconscious. It's exactly right. It's a hundred percent right. And when I was at this event, he used this story. He says that the conscious mind is the goal setter and the unconscious mind is the goal getter. So he drew this line. Imagine a, a line going straight in front of you and say, okay, my goal is uh, freedom from addiction. My goal is to work out. My goal is to uh, insert any habit that you would like to, uh, like any, any behavior that you want. You know, I want to go to bed earlier. I want to, you know, whatever the case may be. So that's your goal. Consciously, you can put that goal out there. But if you do not have the subconscious, like, I don't know if you want to call it programming or the habits to support that if your programming does not support your subconscious programming subconscious programming Mm -hmm. if that does not support if that if that path so he drew a line like forward and then uh, i wish i guess uh, i know we're on video but the people who are listening are not We're happy to get the gold. Everyone listening can schedule an appointment with you. (laughs) Okay. So imagine a straight line and then imagine another line that's parallel that then takes a right turn. Right. Right. So it's like goals. Goal says freedom from addiction. Subconscious mind does not have that programming. So it veers me off course. And no matter how much I try, just because my autopilot says, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever the belief is, if the autopilot brings you back to addiction, you can fight as long and as hard as you want, but unless that programming supports that freedom is not like you're that's why people struggle forever. Like I'll work with people who have struggled with addiction for like 40 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the reason is because it, well, it's not because they're not trying because they are, it's just their programming, their thought patterns, their emotional responses, their beliefs on their the unconscious pathways. side, on the unconscious side. Because consciously, they're, they are working 14-hour shifts. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. But because they're unconscious programming, the way that they see the world and themselves doesn't support freedom. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so difficult, if not impossible, to achieve it. You can't sustain that. Mm-hmm. So if, when I talk about freedom, it's aligning the subconscious programming or, in other words, your beliefs, your thought patterns, your emotional responses, you align those things with your conscious goals, then it's just like, it, it becomes almost effortless because that's just what you do. That's just who you are. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like you don't have to work so hard because you're not going against the grain. It's just, you set a goal and what you do naturally just aligns with that. So there's not that tug of war anymore. Totally love that. So love when that. I, so when I heard this, and he used this example of like, uh, imagine an elephant, right? If you, your conscious mind, if you're the rider, the unconscious mind is the elephant. He says the rider doesn't have all that much control because you can steer the elephant off course for a period of time, but eventually you're going to get tired. And the elephant that wants to go the other way is going to take control and veer back down the path that he's used to walking. Short-term sobriety. Pardon me? That's short-term sobriety. That's right. That's exactly right. Consciously, like, I got I to gotta stay sober. I got to be clean. I got to not click. Yeah. I got to... Three days, three months, whatever it is. Yeah. That's exactly right. But then as soon as you let go of the reins and you stop steering the elephant towards the goal that you want, it, like, defaults back to its trail that it's used to walking. 
And then that's when people like have this crash and they feel awful about themselves. And like, I, I wanted to be free from this. How could I find mm-hmm. myself here? What's mm-hmm. wrong with me? They beat themselves up when it really isn't like, it's just their programming takes them a different way. So the goal when I work with people individually is to identify what that programming is and then reshape it so that it aligns with exactly what their goals are. And once that is finished, then again, there's that sense of freedom. So you don't have to be battling anymore because you're like, the elephant is going the way that you want it to go instead of having right. to tug it along. Right. I'm like, I, I guess we're done with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it. No, I mean, that that said so beautifully. So now, why, why did we have Sam on this episode? <laughs> well, I already knew, and then you scheduled Holy it. Songs, Don't put man. that on me. No, that, um, because I think about... Um, yeah, I mean, just it, that that conscious mind struggle, right? And, and I think separating that from the conscious mind to the unconscious mind, because like Jason showers once a week, and he's been doing that for a long time. He doesn't have to fight to do that, right? Um, and so, just kidding, Jason. We know we know it's we know it's twice a week. Just chill out, bro. <laughs> um, but it's true though. Like whenever yeah, the moment totally. I heard that, you know, I don't know about the showering part of it, but <laughs> as far as like when that person said that, like instantly my paradigm about addiction changed like in that instant, because no longer was it about a lack of willpower. It wasn't a lack of discipline. It wasn't a lack of effort. It wasn't because they didn't hit rock bottom. It wasn't like fill in the blank with everything that we're used to hearing in that instant. I'm like, it has nothing to do with that. It's simply, do they have the programming to support their goal? And if not, they're not a bad person, right? Sometimes we beat ourselves up like I'm a bad person. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had these initial calls with somebody reaching out saying, I look, I need some help. I've been doing this forever. And a part of me thinks that I don't really want to give this up. And I say, well, what makes you think that? He's like, well, I I keep going back to it. Mm -hmm. And then I explain kind of the whole thing that I shared with you. And he's like, well, that's exactly it. Like, I really don't want this, but I kind of almost tell myself that I must. And I give Mm -hmm. myself a pass. So I don't feel so bad when I fall. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times, again, whether it's willpower or discipline, it has nothing to do with that. It's just what's happening on the inside. Is that aligning with your goal? And if not, that's fine. Let's just figure out where the misalignment is and then then help shape that programming so that it supports where you want to go. And then like, then it's just, it, it becomes almost effortless. Uh, I think totally, you just absolutely. explained like 95 or 98% of our addict listeners. Uh, <laughs> you mean of our listeners who struggle with addiction? Who struggle with addiction. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're changing that. That is a thing now. <laughs> Changing the neural pathways. Yeah. yeah. Good. No, I honestly, I think that's, yeah, I honestly believe it's like 98% of people. Well, and I, and I also, so this is answering a question for me because I, it's kind of like I always knew it, but I, I couldn't put it into words. You know, those people that you're just like, well, how did that work out? Like the guy that's like, I smoked for 30 years and then I found Jesus and I was just like, I'm done. And he just called Turkey and it's 30 years later now and he's never smoked. And you're like, what? Right. Or like the people who are just like, oh yeah, I, I struggled and now I don't. Right. The people's like, yeah, I was a hundred pounds overweight. And then, yeah, I just lost it in a year and just haven't been overweight since. Right. And I feel like sometimes people have these transformative experiences, right. As, as Tony Robbins would say, you change in a moment. It's just, what does it take you to get to that moment? And so, 
Yeah. So, so I think this is a really good explanation. If people have struggled with that phenomenon, if I can put it that way, it's because they had something happen that shifted their programming to use your word, right? Like to something that shifted their subconscious. I feel like I've finally just been able to put that because there's some people like that in, in sexual addiction recovery that they're just like, my wife said we were going to get divorced and that was it for me. And I felt God and I just knew, yeah, it's been four years since I've ever done anything. And they, they didn't like have some giant like hero's journey of all these up and downs and rock bottoms. And, you know, well, that, that was me. I mean, you, you would have thought that I would have stopped because Autumn tried to take her life because of my addiction. Totally. But that wasn't rock bottom for me. Rock bottom was when I threw the damn shovel away and I quit digging and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm done. And that, and that's, it was the, the programming shift is what puts the shovel down. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which is huge. Right. And I think when people get to that moment and they make that decision and sometimes people, like a lot of times people need help with that. Cause sometimes you'll have these moments where something clicks and almost like organically that shift can happen. Most people that I work with, they need that support to be able to identify. Because most people say, I have no idea why I keep going back to this. I don't really know what my triggers are. I don't know what compels me to keep looking. I love my wife. I hate the fact that I'm looking at this. It's not because it's any fault of hers. I just feel so pulled by this and I don't know exactly what it is. So that just tells me that there's something operating underneath the surface that is outside of awareness which is again, another word for unconscious. It's outside of your awareness. There's something that's happening. It's not like there's nothing wrong with you. It's just simply something is like taking that direction. So the goal in these, in the first session that I do with people is to uncover what is that? What's, what is the trigger? What's bringing you back to that and doing some processing or exercises to shift that so that then they can move forward with it. Like, uh, like a new program, if you will. Right, right. So, so stepping into that a little bit. So, I I like the work. Um, crap, I forgot their names, but the window of tolerance. Right. So, to me, like expanding our window of tolerance is is to me, it's just expanding. If I were to say it in a sentence, it's expanding our ability to be self aware. Yes. Right, and and the more self aware we are the less one bugged we are by everything, either high or low, right? Total panic, freak out, or total depression. Um, and so what What do you feel like are the key mistakes people make expanding that window, right? Um, or, right, to you, so you just said kind of starting to change their programming. Like what's what's the mistake people make where they just don't ever actually make it into the, subconscious with the screwdriver and start moving things around. So, I mean, I think number one, it's, it's like, if you don't have the awareness of what it is, it's near impossible to change it. If you don't know what your triggers are, if you don't know what's driving this, if you don't know, like if I were to, if I were to, I thought always think in terms of like frameworks, right? So I don't get lost in a session. I have like this framework of this is our goal. These are, this is the outcome in order to get to this outcome, X, Y, Z must happen. Right. So this on the highest level, I think people struggle with addictions for two reasons. And again, there might be subcategories and all this, but as I try to think of this, I think number one, it's broken attachment, like a lack of connection. As Todd Olson would say, addiction is an attachment disorder. Yes. Which I agree with that for sure. Uh And then secondly, it's like our limiting beliefs about ourselves. It's shame. Mm -hmm. And so, those limiting beliefs are often subconscious. We just kind of, so I'll give you a personal example. So I I grew up in the church. 
I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as well. And my mom's uh, mantra was be Christ-like, which is such a good like thing to teach your kids, right? So of course, yeah. like I grew up, be Christ-like, be Christ-like. So I'm trying, I'm trying. Inevitably, when I wasn't, I would feel awful. Right. And I didn't have any language to describe this when I was young. I remember being a teenager and I was feeling like depressed. I remember getting a book and I didn't want to tell anybody about it. Cause there's just this shame of like, I don't know. I just mm-hmm. feel bad. And mm-hmm. I remember getting this book about depression and I hid it in my trunk and I wanted to just figure out how to fix this on my own. But what I learned in grad school, like I, going through grad school, I remember reading Brene Brown's book. Um, I thought it was just me. Mm-hmm. And in the book, she separates guilt and shame. Right. Right. And so for me, in that moment, what became clear to me was this belief that I had that I'm a bad person. It was outside of my awareness for most of my life. And it was triggered or activated whenever I did something out of alignment with my values. If I was mean to somebody, if I had a judgmental thought, if I was critical, like I would feel so bad. And I learned in that moment that it was my belief of being a bad person. So that belief of shame, like that shame, that identity that I had, I'm unworthy. I think those are the things that drive people's need to numb out. So if you have a broken connect, if you have like a lack of connection, if you can't really be vulnerable and open and uh, let people in and you have these limiting beliefs, I think that's why people just cycle because it's so overwhelming to feel like an awful person. So you're going to find some way to cope. And some people choose food. Some people choose Facebook some people choose alcohol, porn, like the, 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 the behavior is secondary in my mind. Like I'm not even totally, I, yeah, I'm working underneath that, right? Let's fix the shame. Let's get you connected. Yep. Once people do those things, I think that's what really clears that out. So I think going back to your original question, I think the lack of awareness, I, that's the most important step. Like that's step number one, right? That's the most important first step because then once you're clear about what the issues actually are, then you can resolve and, and solve those things. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. And I think if I were to, to ask this in a, in a, um, in a fun way, we'll say, um, cause this is a fun game. Cause I, I, I've done this with some other people too. So, um, I think that you have enough breadth of experience, um, right. Or enough of an expert, right. If we were to use the catch term, you're an expert. Um, so, uh, if I were to bring 10 guys into you first session, boom, 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 you get 10 guys. And I said, Sam, you got to, you got to bet the farm. You got to bet the house, the wife, the kids, whatever, all the things. Um, and you got to tell me out of these 10, the one that you know for sure is not going to recover. Um, you would not bet to find recovery in the next three to five years. And also you have to make your bet on out of the 10, the one who will. I believe that you probably could nail that bet with a very high probability of being accurate. Having, having, having only a moment with those 10 men. And so I guess my question is to ask it that way is how would you know that difference? That's a good question. If I were to say one of the most important qualities or characteristics of somebody who does heal, it is, I think above everything else is willingness. Like if you're open and willing to do it and then you get the right help, I don't see any reason why that person can't, can't overcome it. 
Okay, but tell me more because willingness, right? We've had this unconscious, conscious mind, right? Because, I mean, I can go to a 12-step meeting and find some guys who are willing to beat their head against the wall for the next decade. So so what in that willingness? Because of those 10 guys who show up in your office, I, I would say on the surface, probably seven of the 10 legitimately in their conscious mind do not want to be viewing porn anymore. If you said, what are the top three problems in your life? They would list porn as one of those. They have a desire to stop. They have they a desire to stop. stop. So how do you know out of the guys that want it are willing, how do you sift those to the one where that will, will open those doors? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think I'm just reflecting on some clients who, okay, which ones have had a very difficult time with it? Is there commonalities Yeah. Or other people where there's like in an, in an instant? Yeah. Give it, give it to us on either end, either end. The ones that I know this, this factor is like, they walk out of your office and you're like, oh yeah, that dude's going to find it. Or the factor that you're like, whew, I'm praying for him. Yes. I mean, I really do think, I remember, so there's one guy that I was working with. He didn't, he struggled with alcohol. Mm -hmm. His whole thing is like, there was a, like a part of him that shut down that did not want to come back online. Mm -hmm. I guess it it does go back to this idea of willingness. Cause I think with this paradigm shift that I was given in this workshop, like I legitimately think that anybody can heal. But if you're will, if you're not willing to explore, if you're not willing to try to identify what's going on, if you're not willing to kind of go with the process, then that's a whole nother thing. So describe that go with the process. Cause I'm t- myself, including everyone is like, I want to know if I'm that guy. <laughs> like I want to be that guy that you're betting on. So the, the willingness, you, you use the word explore, the willingness to look into the process. Like if I'm a monkey which these three men sitting here would argue I am sometimes like what, like, what does that mean? Like, tell me what that means for dummies. Yeah. That's again, like I me. like, I like the question to really clarify. Cause again, I'm thinking about if I were to specifically say a willingness, I just think about this one client who gave up and he didn't want to do the process anymore. And after I reassured him, like, listen, I get where you're coming from. He's just like, but I don't want to do the work anymore. So I think it really honestly comes down to, are you willing to keep doing the work? Okay. Here's maybe another thing that I'll share with people is I have this, I think in all these like weird analogies and images, but I imagine like, imagine like, um, like Jesus or prophetic teachers or (laughs) totally. So yeah, parables, stories, symbolism, any of those things um, do not help people learn. Please refrain. So, okay. Yeah. So let me, uh, I'm captain storyteller. Did you know we're secretly best friends? Did you know this about us, Sam? I can feel that. Yeah. We're going to hang out all the time. You don't know. I know. So I think about a hose, right? Whenever I work with somebody, I say that, okay, our goal is to imagine you have this hose that's got these cuts. These got like these, uh, I don't know, like lacerations or cuts in uh-huh. it, that water leaks out. So whenever I work with somebody, it's like, okay, day one, our goal is to explore what are all the leaks. In other words, what are the limiting beliefs? What's mm-hmm. the, what's the shame? What are the programming? We want to like get it a lay of the land. What's there. And then through the process, the goal is to just simply patch all that up. So by the time we're finished with the process, there is no leaks and the water will do what we want it to do. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think makes it 
I think that like, honestly, there's no, there's like, you don't have to be this like special, extraordinary person in order to overcome this problem. It simply takes, I wish there was a better way to describe this, but like a willingness to continue to stay with the process of exploring Ah, again, because I guess I'm repeating myself. No, I, I don't. I, I think that's like, are you willing to come back into session after a slip and say, I slipped? I'm like, this is what I noticed. I'm curious. Like, I want to, as I reflected on this, this is what I noticed. This is what caught me by surprise. Then we do the process. We do another exercise to help shift that. So that that same thing doesn't happen again. Or if they're like, I slipped, I don't know what happened. Like, can we talk through this? Mm -hmm. I think literally it's just this, like, I want to figure this out. And the thing that I think has made it so difficult for people to overcome this problem in the past, like you said, you can find seven guys in a 12 step who are willing to, you know, beat their head against the wall. I think that's what people do without knowing this deeper piece, without knowing there's Mm -hmm. like a programming Mm -hmm. that guides you there. Those are the people that are desperately trying, but they're using tools that just are not for many people just are not getting them there. I think it's just a matter of getting the right tools and are you willing to, to do the process? Mm. Does that help? I don't know if I, cause I know Amen. what you're asking, but I, I think it, it really is just like, well, are I, you I, open and willing? And I, yeah. And I, I think that's a good blanket way to say that because, um, you know, people come to the table with different places. You know, I, I have a client who's never done therapy a day and is in his early twenties and this is like day one. So, I mean, we're talking about some things that are just frankly life skills. Right. And then, you know, I just met with a man in his fifties. That's like, I've done all the things I've done. I've done the retreats. I've done, I've read the books I've done. I've done all the things, you know? So I I think, I, I think that there is a little bit of variance of contextually what you're saying would look like, but no, I, I, I think you nailed it. Okay. Well, thanks. I hope that, yeah, it does clarify. And yes, like you said, you just touch on life skills. I just think about somebody that I've worked with in the past where like he just really didn't have life skills. And so my, my, the way that I like to work with people is like, if you come in and you've got this foundation of life skills, like we can get to work and we can do, we can move through the process quickly. But if it's more like basic life skills, like he was struggling in a number of different areas, uh, but yeah, a lot of it was life skills. I think that that foundation helps it go faster. So if you're there and you don't have those life skills, I say that that's like such an important place to start to then give you the foundation to continue to do the deeper work. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. So Sam, so you have a couple of programs. Tell us a little bit about your programs that you have because we want to wrap up here quick um, or soon. And so we want to be able to have you talk a little bit about your Chris is done. We're done by the way, Sam. (laughs) So you're done. We're done. You are off tap. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. (laughs) No, I'm not done yet. That's why I'm asking him about the programs. Cause like I went through the five day program. I invited some of my buddies through the program as well that you did on Facebook and it was phenomenal. Um, so are you doing that again? And then talk a little bit about some of your other programs that you have coming up and how they reach you, what the best way is to, to reach out to you and go from there. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah, I love having you in the group. You had great comments and participating. It was awesome. So as far as programs right now, so I do want to do another challenge at some point. I don't have anything on the calendar. Um, currently what offers, I just do, I'll do uh, sessions with people. It's like coaching. So I've got a 12 week coaching program where I help people from start to finish, whether it's in the relationship, rebuilding trust, reconnecting, helping with the betrayal trauma, the addiction. So it's like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like a, 
mm, intensive kind of a, a process where we meet weekly and we go from start to finish wherever you are. Cause some people come in at different places. So mm-hmm. one-to-one coaching currently. And then I have an online program for couples where they can get the, the same tools. It's kind of like, I'll do it with you and we'll do it for 12 weeks or like you can do it yourselves. And it's online tools with, with uh, videos, uh, exercises, things that you can do that help you understand addiction, heal trauma, rebuild trust in the relationship. So it's the tools that you need to be successful in, in the marriage. So those are the two things that I'm currently offering. And as far as how they can find out about me. So I have a website, it's called coupleshealing.org. And so there's links on there to my podcast, to any of these uh, free courses that I offer as well. And then you can contact me if there was ever a desire to work with me directly. Awesome. Do it. Um, Sam, truly a pleasure. Likewise. Truly um, to meet one of my new best friends. So we're going to have some fun times. Um, and you, everyone, you know where to find us. Hopefully, if you don't, um, then we are at Unashamed Unafraid, Facebook, Instagram, uh, unashamedunafraid.com. Um, if you would like to donate to help fund for people to do programs such as Sam's or other things um, that we're going to have coming out continually um always updating um we invite you to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate um that will also get you access to the bonus content and all the things that the outsiders get um and if you enjoyed sam here um we invite you to go to his podcast and give him five stars in itunes and also give us five stars here because that's how the world judges us and we auto populate in searches and people find us so Go give Sam five stars in his world. Um, visit the website. Come visit us. Um, we love all of you. If you're joining us in the bonus content as an outsider, we will see you there. And until next time, please love yourself and explore your subconscious while being unashamed and unafraid. <laughs>